0: Which role did you have to play in your family growing up? The clown? The scapegoat? Maybe the nurturer? We're going to be talking about the roles and the impact of your family dynamic, what it has on you today, and whether it's a good thing or not. Hi, I'm Brenda Reese, freedom and forgiveness coach, and a person just like you that is learning to navigate life and all of its challenges. I teach a forgiveness process like no other. It's a blend of practical and spiritual forgiveness. This process guides you into knowing how unforgiveness can be keeping you stuck in your relationships, both personally and professionally, and how it prevents you from releasing resentment and finding joy. Each week, I share practical and some not-so-practical tips, tools, and advice from myself and other people that are on this journey just like us. This is for you if you are ready to turn your pain into peace. Welcome to the Forgive Yourself Podcast. Family dynamics and the roles we play within those dynamics are important when we are looking at forgiving ourselves and others. Plus, it's been the topic of conversation recently in a few circles I'm in, and thought it would be valuable to talk about as we gather for the holidays. Now, there are different definitions of family dynamics, and today I'm going to be using some information from betterup.com and Psychology Today for our conversation, along with my own interpretation and thoughts. So, what are family dynamics? Family dynamics are the patterns of interactions among relatives, their roles and relationships, and the various factors that shape their interactions. So basically, this is how we learn to relate to each other and the world. Okay, let me repeat. This family dynamic is how we learn to relate to each other and the world. Okay, this is big. The good thing is that we do not have to stay stuck in these patterns or behaviors if you're finding out that they aren't really working for you anymore. Because it's important for us to know that family dynamics significantly impact health in both positive and negative ways. Having a close-knit and supportive family provides emotional support, economic well-being, and increases overall health. And the opposite is also true. Growing up in a dysfunctional family unit could result in frequent job loss, poor boundaries in relationships, and difficulty launching into adulthood, along with mental health challenges. And health issues. So, when we create awareness of this family dynamic and the roles we play, it gives us control to change these roles and dynamics for ourselves if we want to change them. There are different types of family dynamics you can research, and for today, I chose six more commonly talked about. Yet, before talking about the six different types of family dynamics, here are a few factors that influence the dynamic of the family, okay? Culture and ethnicity, an absent parent, working parents or working parents working multiple jobs, disabilities or chronic illness, substance use and abusive relationships, divorces, death, traumas, grief, controlling parents or other family members. These factors really influence our dynamic. So how many of those could you relate to, right? What were you experiencing growing up? So here are the six family dynamics we are going to talk about. Authoritarian, authoritative, competitive, uninvolved, communal, and alliance-based. Before sharing about these dynamics, I'd like to share a story about a client that I think you can relate to. It was before Thanksgiving, and a client of mine, Betty, called saying she was stressing out about being with her family at Thanksgiving. She loved her family, and yet there was a lot of dynamics that always played out whenever the family got together. Her dad had a military background, and there were rules, and he was definitely in charge. And even today as an adult, she felt like she was a 10-year-old when she went home. And then there was her mom who would let him discipline the kids in a not-so-nice way, Betty's words, growing up, and Betty felt disappointed because her mom still didn't stand up to her dad today. So when the adult kids came home for the holidays, he would ask Betty and her brothers about their successes, and he would show disappointment in her because she wasn't in a profession that he thought was worthy of success. Betty was an art teacher, and she loved it. One of her brothers was a lawyer, and the other brother was in the military. Those were acceptable, but not an art teacher. She felt so small when her dad would express that disappointment, and she wanted to say something to him desperately, but she didn't have the courage. Then she would want to leave, but felt obligated to stay there for the entire day. Betty was afraid of her father, even as an adult, and didn't know how to set boundaries to take care of herself. This is family dynamics, and what can happen without self-awareness is that we fall back into the roles that we played in childhood within that dynamic, even as adults. So now, let's go through the dynamics. I'd like you to listen closely. See which one you can relate to. There are six. One. Authoritarian. This is about following the rules without any exceptions. One family member is very controlling and expects others to follow without question. If the rules aren't followed, it can be met with punishment. Number two is authoritative. Now, this is similar to authoritarian, yet the person in charge uses positive discipline, like reward systems and praise, to reinforce good behavior. Punishment is not used for disobeying the rules. In this case, the parents are nurturing, responsive, and supportive, yet they set firm limits for their children. An example would be being told, eat your vegetables so you can help your body and brain grow versus what a lot of us heard, at least I know I did, eat your vegetables because I said so. There's a difference. The third one is competitive. Family members are in competition with each other. This creates a sense of rivalry as each person tries to outshine the others. It could be for attention, recognition, or power. An example is competition is encouraged between the kids or the kids feel competitive because the parents are constantly talking about how one child is always doing better than the other. Oh, and then this can show up as we get older in romantic relationships where partners compete over job successes or achievements like promotions or salaries. The fourth one is uninvolved. Here, family members aren't there for each other. They aren't present even when in the same room. There is a feeling of lack of support and guidance. Now, an example is parents not asking the kids how their day was or checking in on them, being constantly on electronics and not engaging. Same, right? For spouses or romantic partners. The fifth one is communal. The family is a community. Each member feels like they are a contribution. They feel respected and heard. Tasks are shared. Everyone helps set the rules and there's problem solving together. You are encouraged to participate. Okay. Wow. Do you know anyone who grew up in that type of a dynamic? I would really like to know. That's what I would have liked to have grown up in. Or at least I think I would have. Now number six. Is alliance-based. In this dynamic, you find certain members of the family, they group together, forming an alliance in order to gain leverage over other family members. So an example is in a blended family dynamic, you have biological siblings form an alliance against step-siblings, or you have one parent and one child pitted against the other parent or child. So a question for you, what dynamic did you grow up in or are you experiencing today? My client, Betty, definitely grew up in the authoritarian dynamic, and she's still experiencing it as an adult. For me, mine was uninvolved and authoritarian. There were nine kids in my family for about five years of my life, and my mother was a single parent during most of that. So I felt like there was no guidance given, yet if a rule was broken, which was not really talked about, we all got major punishment. Very dysfunctional. No wonder I teach forgiveness today. Now, let's take a look at the roles we play within these dynamics. Now, family roles shape how we interact within this dynamic and also out in the world. I found a great description of these roles on interchange.com. Now, there are six archetypal roles we're going to talk about, and they are the hero, rescuer, scapegoat or black sheep, the clown, lost child and nurture her. So listen closely and make a note of which one or ones you can relate to growing up or maybe still experiencing today. The hero. This is the good or responsible child, a high achiever that overcompensates to avoid looking or feeling inadequate. They are a good leader, goal-oriented and self-disciplined. Yet they can lack the ability to play, relax, follow others or allow others to be right. The rescuer. They take care of the needs of others. They might have difficulty with conflict. They rescue to meet their own needs. They can live with a lot of guilt and find it challenging to focus on themselves. The scapegoat or black sheep. Family members think this person needs the most help. Their strengths could be a good sense of humor, and they're very honest and they're willing to share their feelings yet they could have an inappropriate expression of those feelings and may experience social or emotional problems. There's the clown. They use humor to offset the family conflict and create a sense that things are okay. They do have talent to lighten the moment, yet they can be hiding their true feelings. The lost child. This child is considered the subservient good child. They are obedient, passive, and hidden in the family trauma. They are hidden to avoid being a problem. Now, they can be flexible and easygoing, yet lack direction and can be fearful of making decisions. Then there's the nurturer. They provide emotional support, create safety, and are available to others, like a mediator. They focus on having emotional needs in a balanced manner. Yet they can be holding back their own needs or speaking their truth because they do not want to cause an imbalance. Understanding your family dynamic and the way you grew up affects your behavior, relationships, jobs you choose, work performance, and how you relate in the world itself. This is huge. So question for you. Which archetypal role or roles did you relate to? For me, I was the lost child and the nurturer. Later, I played out the hero, which has its pros and cons, right? While being self-disciplined and a good leader as the hero, the flip side is not allowing myself to play or allow others to be right. And you can imagine the conflict that this caused in my relationships and my work. This is all about creating awareness for yourself. With awareness, we are able to give ourselves permission to be the same age as we are right now when we walk into a family situation not just at the holidays, but year-round, right? Like my, you know, my client Betty, who felt like a 10-year-old again. A lot of us fall back into the roles and the dynamic without even realizing we are doing it. So creating the awareness around what works and not works for us anymore is valuable. Now, creating awareness is the first step, and yet it doesn't help us change unless we're willing to take some action. And I'd like to give an example of what I mean by taking some action. I have another story for you. I had another client named Nikki that was always the good child. She took care of herself growing up, didn't appear to need anything much, got good grades, did her homework without her parents asking. See, she had siblings that were troublesome or sick a lot, and the parents had to give them more attention. So she felt she needed to be the good child or the hero. She appreciated the praise that her parents would give her, saying that she was such a good girl and they could always count on her to get things done and that she didn't need or ask for much. And yet as she grew up, she felt lonely and got to a point where she felt unloved, not cared for, and even as an adult, she always felt she had to do the responsible thing and didn't allow herself to have fun. She was playing out the role of the good girl and not needing much, so she wouldn't ask for much. As we worked together, I asked her a really important question, and something that you can think about. What can you do to give yourself permission to play and not be the good child all the time? That took her by surprise, because she never thought of it that way. She said, give myself permission? I said, yes, we need to do that sometimes to change a habit or behavior. It's like a child asking for permission from a parent, but we are asking ourselves. And it works. It actually changes the chemicals in our brains. So for you, my dear listener, think about what you can do to give yourself permission to let go of being the good child or nurturer or hero or some role that you related to as I was talking through the definitions. And that is something that has started to not work for you. A role that isn't really quite working for you. Because remember, these roles do not just show up with the family. We can carry them with us to our jobs, friendships, and romantic relationships. Then I'd like you to try out an exercise that I gave to my client. I really like exercises if you haven't noticed so far. What do you give yourself permission to do or say, or be. So some examples are, I give myself permission to tell my truth. I give myself permission to play more and not be so responsible. I give myself permission to not stay so long at the family's house for dinner (laughs) or for the holidays. I give myself permission to get help around the guilt that I feel in these changes because it can bring up guilt. Now, another way to look at giving yourself permission is if you think about the dynamic and the roles you played or the role you find yourself playing now, what do you want to change about that to empower yourself? So whatever you're doing, what's the opposite? What feels really good to give yourself permission to do? So for the nurturers or codependents who give too much, we get to learn to say no. It's okay to say no. No is a complete sentence. Now, this leads us to boundaries, speaking of no, and a simple definition of boundaries is basically what's okay and not okay for you and no one else. Also, boundaries are knowing where you stop and someone else begins. Now, what I mean by that is sometimes in relationships, we can care too much about the other person's needs and wants and not really our own, which can be people-pleasing or codependency. If you grew up in an authoritarian dynamic like my client Betty, you wouldn't know what your own feelings and thoughts were. You were told how to behave, told how to think a certain way. You were told to go to your room and don't come out if you were acting emotional, or don't be a crybaby, those kinds of things. So when we do not have boundaries, we let people do things to us that are not okay, or have behaviors that are not okay. And then we secretly get resentful and even hateful, but we don't say anything. You can tell if you have boundaries or not by the way you allow people to treat you. Are people mean to you a lot? Or are they kind? Are they constantly taking advantage of you? Do you say yes when you really want to say no? Do you want to say no to them borrowing money from you or things, but you don't? Are there people in your life you are scared to confront? in your business or personal life? Do you get a knot in your stomach when you think of being around a certain person or persons or groups? What I want to share is the first thing is to create compassion for yourself. What I mean by that is to tell yourself that you didn't know any better, and now you do. Awareness is just that. When we become aware that we do not like something, then we can figure out what we would want instead. But a lot of us have to start with what I don't like to get to what I do like. And as I've said before, we can't change something we don't know is there. I'd like to give you a little gift to help when thinking of these people that are uncomfortable um, when you have uncomfortableness in confronting them or being around them or are mean to you. And that's a forgiveness list. It's a tool that I use with my clients that actually is a living document because you continue to add to it. The interesting part of this document is that it helps you determine who you are ready to forgive and maybe who doesn't really need forgiveness. The link will be in the show notes. Self-awareness is key to understanding how our family roles impact us and our emotional well-being. We bring forward those early dynamics into our relationship with others and even our jobs. Now other people can remind us of our siblings or parents and we can feel activated or triggered. A lack of self-awareness makes it difficult to recognize this behavior and respond to it in a healthy way. Self-awareness offers an insight into what we had to be like growing up in a certain family dynamic, and it gives us the choice to make changes for our own growth and those around us. And setting boundaries is a part of self-awareness and something most of us didn't have modeled when younger. So know that boundaries are your right. They help you feel safe and protected. So you can write out some statements to remind you of those rights And two examples are, I have the right to feel safe, and I have the right to ask for my needs to be met. What would be your right? As a recap, for a lot of us, family is really important. Family members, whether biological or chosen, are often who we want to rely on for support during challenging times. Yet because of our family dynamics, that isn't always possible. Our families are where we first learn to relate to others, and these behavior patterns persist into adulthood, yet remember that family isn't destiny. Once you become aware of your family upbringing and dynamics, how they have influenced you, then you have more control over how those behaviors and dynamics shape your perceptions, which can affect your actions moving forward. Keep in mind When we have awareness of our family dynamic and then the self-awareness around our roles, it allows us to take responsibility for standing up for ourselves around how we want to be treated. Then we have a choice on whether to stay in that relationship with that person or not. So I'd like you to journal about those couple questions I asked earlier on. What family dynamic did you grow up in or are you experiencing today? Is it one that values you? Is it one that has you feel heard and seen? Or not? And the second question, which archetype or role or roles did you relate to? Is that working for you in all areas of your life? Or not? Understanding your family dynamics and the way you grew up affects your behavior, relationships, jobs you choose, work performance, and how you relate in the world itself. And remember, give yourself permission to be the same age as you are right now when you walk into any family situation. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did enjoy it, would you do me a favor and share this episode and then follow us on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss one episode of the Forgive Yourself podcast, where every Friday you will get tips, tools, and stories so that you can turn your pain into peace. Take care.